being seated, I invite you to take your Bible and turn in the Old Testament to the prophecy of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37, I'll begin reading in the first verse. These are indeed remarkable, remarkable days in the life of the Christian community, particularly here in the United States, here in the West. God is doing a remarkable work among mainline, or I guess I should say old-line churches, and there is a new, fresh breath of the Holy Spirit that is blowing among many of our churches. I'm grateful to Hannah for her testimony about what God began there at Asbury University and and how that now has spread to other universities. I, I do hope that you'll come tomorrow night at 7 o'clock to the chapel to hear more about the Asbury Revival and what God is doing there. In this world in which we live, we need some good news like that. God is indeed a God who can make the dry bones live again. So our text is Ezekiel, beginning with the first verse of chapter 37, and Ezekiel is relating to us a vision that God has given him. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you only know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord." So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, And say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. My friends, this is the word of God. Would you pray with me? God, again, for this day, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for what you're doing among us. We give you thanks for what you're doing within us. And we give you thanks for what you desire to do through us. We are so grateful, God, that you are the God who can make the dry bones live. So, God, we bring ourselves to you again this morning, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will have your way 
with each one of us. Help us, God, to listen to the special word that you have for each one of us this day. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Throughout the Bible, we find that valleys are places of challenge and discomfort. Think about the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. In the Bible, valleys tend to be places of challenge and discomfort. Let me give you some examples. There is the valley of Elah in 1 Samuel 17. That is a valley of conflict. The valley of Elah is where David met his Goliath. There's also the valley of Sedim in the book of Genesis. In chapter 14, we see that the valley of Sedim is a valley of sin and corruption. It's there in the valley of Sedim where God brought judgment onto Sodom and Gomorrah. And then a very famous valley for the Christian community is the Kidron Valley. The Valley of Kidron, there between the holy city of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. And even to this day, if you were to go and look at the Kidron Valley between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives, you would see that it is still a valley of death. To this day, if you go and look at uh, the Kidron Valley, you will see there on the slopes of the Kidron Valley hundreds and hundreds of tombs. It's still one of the most sought-after places for members of the Jewish community to be buried because in their thinking, that is where the resurrection of the body will begin. There among the dead, there in the Kidron Valley outside of Jerusalem. So the Kidron Valley, a valley of death. Most of us believe that when Ezekiel received his vision, he was seeing a vision of the Kidron Valley, that valley of death. Ezekiel, as we know from the scriptures, was a prophet to hopeless people. The people of Israel had already been, many of them, carried off into captivity in Babylon including Ezekiel. Ezekiel was there being a prophet among the exiles. He's there in a foreign land. He, with the people of Jerusalem, are in a place they do not want to be. And they, in many ways, are a hopeless people. So God gives Ezekiel a vision to share with all those hopeless people in exile there in Babylon. And it's an amazing vision. If we went to Sunday school, if we spent time in the church, we know this vision of the valley of dry bones that we read about in Ezekiel 37. God shows Ezekiel this valley, and it is a valley full of not corpses, but dry bones. These, These bodies are way beyond corpse stage, and it's just a valley of dry bones. God shows Ezekiel that valley and then asks Ezekiel the question, mortal, can these bones live? Ezekiel is smart enough to say back to God, oh God, you and you alone know 
whether or not these dry bones can ever come to life again. So at that point, after God had prepared Ezekiel, at that point God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. Prophesy is a biblical word for preach. Preach to these bones. Preach the mind of God. Prophesy to these bones. So prophesy to these bones, Ezekiel, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath. And perhaps you know that in the Hebrew the word breath or the word wind is the same word as spirit, ruach in the Hebrew. So here God says through Elijah to preach to these bones and he, God, will cause ruach, breath, wind, or spirit to enter them. And then he says to those bones and you shall live God goes on to say, I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath, ruach, wind, spirit in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Well, Ezekiel was obedient. He says, I prophesied. I prophesied. I preached to the valley of dry bones. Never here in this place, but I have preached in some places where I felt like I was preaching to a valley of dry bones. (laughs) Here Ezekiel preached to a valley of dry bones, and then you see the miracle happening. The bones come together, sinews come together, flesh comes together, and then the breath, the wind, the Spirit of God fills those resurrected bodies with life. Now, if you keep reading in Ezekiel chapter 37, as Pastor Clark said a few moments ago, obviously the immediate application of this text is to the the people of Israel, that God will resurrect them, God will breathe life back into them, God will regather them and bring them back to the land of promise and God eventually does that as God brings them home from Babylonian captivity. And even today, we look at this prophecy and we see this prophecy about Israel being regathered, Israel receiving new life, and we think we're watching that. We have been watching that since 1948. But even though the immediate application of this text is to the people of Israel. This text has application to us also. That's the way the Bible works. See what it means, then see what it means to you. That's the way you do Bible. So here we see Ezekiel preaching, speaking the Word of God to hopeless people. So where do you see yourself at this morning in this story? You may see yourself there among the valley of dry bones. You may be here in this place this morning, this place where we traffic in hope, and still yet feel as if you are hopeless. So where are you at in this story? Do you see yourself there among the dry bones, the hopeless dry bones? I hope, friends, that you are not hopeless this morning. If you are in Christ, you have hope for this world and the world to come. If you are in Christ, if you've given your heart to Christ and you've allowed Christ to embrace you, 
you have more hope than you could ever imagine. I hope that you let the Word of God, let the living Jesus define who you are, give you, give us our identity. Sometimes we let our circumstances define us. Sometimes we let our failures even define us. Sometimes we even let the hard times of life define us. Sometimes we let other people tell us who we are and define us. As Christ followers, we need to be passionate about allowing Jesus Christ to define who we are and not, a, not let failure, circumstances, other people, hard times define who we are. We need to let the Word of God, the spoken Word, the revealed Word, the living Word of God tell us who we are. So I hope that you're not among the hopeless this morning. I hope that you're standing there beside Ezekiel proclaiming hope to a world filled with dry bones. Let the Bible tell you who you are. For instance, in the New Testament epistle, 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 through 5, the author writes and says, For whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world? But the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So John, in this first epistle, is telling us that we are among those who conquer the world because of our faith, because of who we know Jesus Christ to be. We are among those who conquer the world. Sometimes we whine so loudly in the Christian community, the world will never believe that we think we're among those who conquer the world. In Romans 8, that amazing passage at the end of chapter 8 in Romans, we learn that we're not only conquerors, I would settle for that on most days, we're not only conquerors, but Paul says we are, we are more than conquerors. Hear this very familiar text again at the end of Romans chapter 8. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Know in all of these things we are, and here it comes, sports fans, more than conquerors. I just like thinking of myself as a conqueror, but the Bible through Paul says we are more than conquerors. In the Greek, it's just one simple word, nikomen, one word in the Greek. So you really should translate more than conquerors, I think, as super conquerors. Put a hyphen in there if you'd like, super conquerors. That's who we are. Sometimes we so whine our way through life because we let life define who we are. Here Paul is saying if you are in Christ, you are not just a conqueror. You are more than conqueror, super conqueror. And then he goes on to say because we're super conqueror, knows in, knowing all of these things we're more than conqueror through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul says. Notice he doesn't say I hope. He says I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. I could add some other things into this list, but you notice what Paul says at this point. His catch-all phrase is, nor anything else in all creation. 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And because of the tenacity of God's love for us in Christ Jesus, we are not just conquerors, but more than conquerors. It was Jesus who said, I have come that you may have life, not just biological existence. I have come that you may have life, but life more abundantly. So where do you see yourself at in this text? Are you among the hopeless dry bones? Or are you among those Christ followers who can stand with Ezekiel and declare to the world that we are not hopeless? We are never hopeless. We have hope for this world, hope for the world to come. We are not like the world without Christ, lost and undone and hopeless. We are the people in Christ. We have an amazing and amazing amount of hope in our lives. It is a hope that overcomes this world, our faith that overcomes this world. If God is for us, who can be against us? So where do you see yourself at in this text? Do you see yourself among the hopeless or among Ezekiel, standing by Ezekiel, preaching, prophesying, speaking the word of truth to those today who have no hope? If you are among the hopeless this morning, I want to invite you to Christ. I want you to bring all that you know of yourself to all that you know of Christ and yield your life to him. Give him your sins, but don't just give him your sins. Give him your heart. Give him your life. Ask him to come and rule and reign in your heart and to make himself real through you. And then you will never be without hope in the world. If you're among the hopeless today, I want to introduce you to Christ first and foremost. But if you know Christ this morning, if you know his promises, his power, his presence in your life, I want that to define who you are. And I want you to realize that you and I have an assignment this morning, along with Ezekiel. Our assignment is to go out and find the hopeless and speak life to the hopeless, to the dry bones that surround us in this world. The hopeless will make themselves known to us. They'll say stuff like, my situation will never get better. I have no future. No one can help me. I feel like giving up. It is too late now. I will never be happy again. The hopeless around us usually will let us know that they are without hope. And that's when we need to pick up the assignment that's given to us in this text, and stand with Ezekiel and speak the word of hope. We are to stand with the prophet. We are to go to those valleys where people are living and speak hope. We're to speak the word of God, and of course the Bible says that God's word will not return void when we speak it. God's word will not return empty to us when we speak it. So my friends, where are you at in this story? If you're among the dry bones, I invite you to Christ to experience his renewing, reviving spirit, breath, wind in your life. If you are among the Christ followers, 
we should be excited about going into the world and speaking a word of life to all the dry bones around us. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, you know each one of our lives better than we know ourselves. So right now, in these moments, give us exactly what we need. If there are people in this place, God, that are without Christ in this world, may this be the moment when they invite the living Savior into their life, the living Lord into their life, and ask him to rule and reign in life. God, if we know Christ, if we're clinging to Christ, may we allow Christ to define who we are, and may we receive the assignments that he gives us for this world. We thank you for the adventure, the joy and the glory of living as Christ followers. In his name we pray.